Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. Hi, I'm Sim Sanger, the Business Development Director at Money Info. My guest today is Lewis Hamm, co-founder and CEO of OIM, a new discretionary fund manager with offices in London and Bournemouth. Lewis, welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Sim. No problem at all. Uh, glad to have, have you here today. So, uh, Lewis, tell me a little bit more about OIM and uh, more importantly, what the O in OIM stands for. Yeah, of course. Um, so. OIM, O for those mistress name searchers out there, is Opulence Investment Management. Um, uh, quite a few conversations about what's the right name for a new company, and we like the idea of O as a brand. However, yeah. when we found out www.o.co.uk was £1.2 million to buy, we um, thought of other words beginning with an O. Wow. Um, my my background, so a little bit about me. So I'm, as Sim mentioned, Lewis Ham. Um, my background been in finance for an awful long time 15 years mostly spent at jp morgan and when we thought about our wonderful creative name we thought about well why do we want to create this business so rim is a investment manager that's really trying to do something different for this market trying to think about things differently um and when we say that that's really extending itself in terms of the investment approach and how clients engage with the the offering so on the client engagement side how is it a lower barrier of entry how is it more engaged like the advisor is not the big scary intimidating character it's actually the client who has all the power as it should be um because i think the market's moved kind of too much to the power being in the in the um, investment manager's hand um but also make sure that actually if people are paying an investment manager for a service they're paying for investment management and yeah. so it's not necessarily a collective of cheap passive funds it's not just kind of index tracking types of things you're paying for someone to really think about What's your objective? What do you want to achieve? And how do we how do we do that for you by using different investment strategies? So that was a real catalyst in creating this business, and that's where we thought we could disrupt and change. Brilliant, thank you. So, so, so that's obviously what what drove you to set up the um, the, the business. But I'm sure you'd appreciate that the, the the DFM space, the investment management space, is is very difficult to differentiate one from another and there, there seems to be a little bit of a race to the bottom particularly when it comes to um, costs and charges etc how, how do you differentiate yourself um, within the marketplace i think the point you hit on there is really important about why we needed to come to market and exist because at the minute the differentiation that people focus on is fees and there has been and there is still going on a race to the bottom mm -hmm. and from an investment principle point of view, you start limiting your options about how you can deliver this right service um, at the right price without then just going down what's the cheapest out there in terms of what I can buy. And then that's the cheapest and scouting that I can charge an investment management service for. So if you, if you, everyone, for me, everyone's heading in one direction and that one direction is fee comparison. Like there's a bit of a linear view that values for client, the value for the client of a DFM is how cheap the DFM is. Mm -hmm. and I think that's totally the wrong way to think about the problem. Yeah. If people have made a decision to outsource their investment offering to a DFM, they need to be thinking about, okay, what does this DFM do that's different to your, to your point? 
if it's fees is the only part of that you're clouded by what you're trying to achieve for your client in my my opinion so if you think about what a client says a good example client says i want a real strong sri socially responsibly invested portfolio and i want to make sure i understand what i'm actually buying well you can't do that necessarily through funds effectively you can't necessarily do that at like 15 bips amc because you're not going to get the right standard and quality so what differentiates us if somebody came with us for that problem we're buying in our portfolios direct equities we have an in-house equity research team who's thinking about okay our client wants sri how do we make sure it's not just an sri branded fund but maybe it's a company that's doing sustainable aviation fuel or a company that supplies um critical cable components to the ev revolution those types of companies and then all of a sudden when you think about what's available to the client the client's objective has been i want an sri portfolio but naturally they also want the investment return so all of a sudden you start curating and create putting in a portfolio that an advisor could say to a client this is why it hits your objective. And here's where we, again, from a perspective of growth, it's got the growth opportunity. And for our clients, we have directly, we can really kind of differentiate because we can do something different as opposed to replicate the others and do it slightly cheaper. Okay, so so if I was a an advisory business and I was interested in, in outsourcing to, to O&AM, how, how do you go about that? How do you work with other intermediaries? So I think the other intermediaries where we've kind of really had positive conversations at the minute is where particularly like if I take the example of our AIM portfolio, mm-hmm. um, obviously the AIM portfolio is quite a few people in this market, but it tends to for the other advisors, uh, for the other DFMs out there, be a bolt on to their wider offering. So if you think what's the DFM typically doing, they're doing fund based, fund of fund mandates at the cheapest possible cost and then have this other team who's doing UK equities. Now, all of a sudden, that feels slightly strange because that's not what they're focused on as a, as a core ability. Now, I am. Our core ability is actually in portfolio construction across the board. We believe in direct equity exposure. And by the way, when we've done our portfolio construction for our balanced portfolio or a high risk portfolio, we've found good UK companies who happen to be AIM listed. So when we've created our AIM portfolio, all of a sudden it's not start from scratch it's actually we've already got well-researched companies where we believe in the investment case wider and now it's part of an aim portfolio um how we've engaged with advisors there is when they're looking for okay what's the expertise i'm paying for and also the demonstrable value of a dfm and i always go back to that if the demonstrable value for us is for example one thing's advisors have given us really positive feedback on is for everything we buy we do our own in-house um research paper just a one page of what we thought about why we think it's sensible how it complements portfolio what the risks are but we've done that in a really accessible non-jargon based way so an advisor can say okay if my dfm has just bought i know vodafone in my client portfolio for me why mm. and they can literally for themselves get a one page to explain the house view but also be confident that it's actually to a stand where they could share it with a client we share it with our direct clients for example so that's where we're seeing for advisors if they want that slightly more active slightly more investment focused solution mm-hmm. um, which can be more bespoke so if a client says i want you to do this for me we're one of those options who can kind of a relatively reasonable uh, threshold do a pretty bespoke solution for a client and so, so how would advisors access your research or indeed the portfolios would they have to go through 
the, the, the kind of traditional retail platforms or do, do they approach you directly? What's the, the kind of terms of engagement, so to speak? So in terms of engagements for the advisor market, um, we are on the, I say the obvious, the, the main retail platforms. Um, our principal one being, so we're on at the moment, M&G Wealth, as was Eccentric, um, Nucleus, and also Transact. Uh, we're happy to onboard to others. Uh, we are currently working on a our own solution as well. So people can, in effect, use us direct and access things directly. Um, but even for the second, like, we want to help the advisor market. So if an advisor thought, you know what, I'd like to just see what these guys are doing. And for me, like the world is easy to get in contact with people with. We yes. encourage people to get in contact with us again, and not to dwell on COVID because hopefully it's slightly behind us now. Um, but hopefully people know you can build a good relationship and learn a lot of people from people through a Zoom call for a Teams meeting. Um, and so we're more than happy to, if people just want to find out, just to have a conversation and let's have a virtual coffee and do that. You're there. You're, you're accessible. That's great. Exactly. Exactly. Now, we, we all have our own you know, ideal profile of clients as businesses and um, you know, the type of client that we want to attract more of. And you know, for us at Money Info, we're, we're constantly seeking out ambitious, forward thinking, you know, client centric advisory investment management firms with, with an appetite to keep up with the times. Who is your ideal client profile and, and why? Obviously, it could be a private client. It could be uh, an advisory firm who's a client of yours. But who ideally do you work best with? I think we work best. And I, I kind of I think this is why I really enjoy working with Money Info. I think culturally the firms OIM and Money Info align quite well because we're also looking for those people who are the trailblazer to people thinking how best do we offer solutions? How, what's the most innovative way to provide those solutions? So our target market, if I think about private clients first, um, if somebody's kind of frustrated with their current provider and they're with like a large national independent financial advisor, for example, um, and they actually think, you know what, I can't understand the fees. I don't know why I'm buying funds in the name of the person who's my financial advisor etc etc and all of a sudden feel like this has just become opaque one of our first type clients is okay if you're bored and frustrated of being like the victim of complexity and the kind of blurred by jargon that's a great client to us how can we enlighten educate and support you because it's fundamentally your money and clients should know more about their money than than they should do they're wrong the power of an investment manager a good one is i give you enough comfort then i leave you forever because I trust you, I respect you, I understand what you're doing, and hopefully performance is good. Yeah. The other side of the private client market where we think we have a really strong affinity to is that people who are growing their own wealth. So if you think kind of about the um, growth in millennial wealth, kind of successful careers, people hit liquidity events, they've grown a business and never had actual liquidity, sell mm -hmm. it and they come into money, all of a sudden they're not making the decisions their parents made. They're not, haven't necessarily got someone to follow. And in a world where there's loads of options, we think, okay, if you're, we want to be that partner and we want to be that partner to those kind of clients because we think actually, one, we think we benefit you well, we think the cultural will benefit well. And actually, say your parents were kind of doing what they previously done it's not necessarily again we're, the millennials are a decision making group and they want to make their own decisions mm. if you think about inheritance wealth attack inheritance elements as well in the inheritance world i think it's 48 billion is going to due to transfer wealth in the next five years from yeah. mums and dads to kids mm. they will want to think more about that and the ethical side of investing is more important if you spoke i find it talking to certain clients who are 
later in life aren't as bothered about buying an oil company. People kind of around my age really are bothered about buying oil companies. OIM for as a house, do not buy oil companies. We don't we don't think that's right anymore. Um, so those are the types of clients where we think actually culturally the value fits. On the advisor side, it's not a huge leap, skipping a jump to do that. And it goes into one, do you want an investment manager, a DFM partner, or do you want to use a DFM service? And I know that sounds like semantics, but for me, it's not. If you want a DFM partner who can support what you're trying to achieve, educate you as much about the investment offering, making sure the value delivery to client through a cost-effective solution, through a research-led approach to investment management, ethical consideration in place, and also like your human, like intellectual capital. Are you achieving the benchmark or are you seeking to achieve more than the benchmark? And if you are, how are you doing that? And how are you making sure it's not kind of these yabba dabba doos, I'm buying AMC and GameStop? How do we protect and use good investment management principles of kind of growth at a reasonable price, well-researched companies, strong balance sheet companies, or those gems, which I kind of think, well, what's changing the world for the future, but actually has kind of substance behind it. Yeah. If, if companies, if, if, if advisors sat there thinking, okay, how do I find someone who shares that view? I'd put my hand up and say, oh, I am probably the one out there in front sharing that view at the moment. Great. Thank you. So, you know, just staying on the, this approach of say, you know, millennials taking more of an ethical or socially responsible approach to their their investment decisions um as an industry you know we've notoriously been very very paper heavy particularly driven by compliance requirements and um, because there is much more awareness around socially responsible investing businesses are increasingly being judged on their own sri credentials as well not just the on the investments that they manage how are you reducing your own carbon footprint when servicing the end clients and and their advisors well, we were, I say lucky, being a new firm and being, I would say, someone who's a bit more business pragmatic and thoughtful and actually don't replicate the bad process you saw before, we started with a real kind of clean approach. So if I use a compliance example, oh, due to compliance requirements, you've got to send this, you need to send this, blah, 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 blah. Well, actually, if you strip all of that back, what's the purpose of the rule and the regulation? You need to inform and you need to educate. How do you best achieve that? It doesn't need to be a 42-page booklet that's sent through the post, which is, Pain printed in her uh, in the environment is shipped to someone's house, which is her environment. It's likely getting thrown in a bin, which unless it's in the recycling bin, it is hurting the. Do you see what? I, like, so all of a sudden, if you think actually, I'll send it to you digitally. Same purpose. I again, and this using money info as the catalyst for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, somebody needs to see our terms and conditions and an update to it, and I want them to attest to the terms and conditions. Send it through the portal, DocuSign acknowledgement. Then all of a sudden, my my actual carbon footprint of waste in terms of what have I actually produced by meeting my regular obligation mm -hmm. is is very 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 marginal in compared to the paper heavy stuff. Things like as well, and I, I, this is going to sound really silly, small conscious things like when we have our physical prints printed. So we do have physical collateral. It's really useful for some client conversations. We make sure that it's recycled paper. We make sure the paper itself is recycled, um, is recyclable. When we think about in the office, so rather than have little things like plastic cups everywhere or huge printing things, encourage people one don't print if you don't need to. We've got mugs so people can use mugs. So like we try and do all these little things that people see as academic. And if you go into a big environment, it's like all plastic cups are on the side, or I'll just print this because I need to print it off to a meeting. Yeah. If you can do it digitally, do it digitally. Um, 
And I think with clients as well, we kind of push that. One of our onboarding process, our onboarding form is fully can be fully digital, and ninety percent of clients do do it fully digitally, fully mm-hmm. digital online form, online KYC, documents through the portal, documents on the app login, stick to my app, and actually, kind of the footprint's really well limited. Great, thank you. I remember you've also got the the additional capability of. Uh, potentially providing advisors access to your client portal as well so they can view their own um, client AUM that they're placing with you, any documentation that they may need to be privy to, um, as well as tracking the, the, the AUM on the platform as well. So that- and, and, and that's where we're keen to use, and this goes back to like money info being as it is, like how can we use that for advisors so they can benefit from the level of the tools they can see the information i talk about my equity one page research reports etc so, mm. so we can use that as a mechanism to deliver secure things and they can also again hopefully we do well they see the size they can see the consolidated view of aum if they're on proper platforms mm. all of those are really good solutions for people and again the solutions which are undervalued and baked because i i know from experience i know talking to people advisors don't necessarily want to be sat doing paperwork power planners don't people don't want to be connecting the dots or downloading a spreadsheet and trying to like month end be a nightmare because have to do everything like manually the more you can avoid that it's actually also from a if we think about like the social impact of investing what's the other side of kind of social responsibility it's like mental health and, and i'm not saying this but if people are happy in their job and they feel like they're not doing menial tasks they're better yeah. they're happier they're more productive to the economy blah 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 like so all of a sudden people might think technology automation is getting rid of jobs actually it's not you're providing better quality jobs to people and you're providing the people doing those jobs better opportunity to do more with their ability and talent and that also gets forgotten about that's a really really good point and sticking on sticking on the point of technology as well on your website you you state that you're a technology driven investment manager so what, what other areas of the business have you invested in technology so we, we think about, so for us, it's really about how we do our jobs. How do we simply do our jobs? Um, and then what I mean by that is things like simple integrations with CRM systems that you're not trying to store information in multiple systems, replicating it, et cetera. So client fact find documents are translated into all the relevant forms and it's, and it's, per, and it's succinct and it's um, manageable. How do we also from a, we're talking to people we use like when we hired people we did a hybrid approach your contract is basically 50 50 in the office or at home but work where you're most productive you want to be in the office be in the office you want to be at home be at home and all of a sudden things like teams but everyone knows how to this is going to sound silly we have a group teams chat we have all those types of things so we're communicating we're engaging so when i say we're a tech-led firm the starting principle is not necessarily we need a client to sign a contract or we need somebody to do X. The starting point is how can we use technology for the client to sign a contract? How can we use technology to manage our portfolios effectively? How can we use technology to make sure our reporting is clear and effective? Not, I need to report, here's a reporting I've got and there's the output. And so very much changing that dynamic to say what's the best solution up front and design based on the target solution versus what people may think the objective of of the task is yeah okay great and again take taking your your kind of portfolio management system um you, you mentioned the mng wealth usually a dfm's portfolio management system books a record whatever you want to call it is usually detached from the front office experience how have you how have you tied it all together to make sure 
it's it's running as one single core operating system for the business so we've still got more work to do there but i would say it's kind of the priority of what's your principal use and principal tool so for example we use refinitiv as was thomson reuters for our mm. research capability and because we use that for our research capability we use that for our portfolio analytics and ongoing portfolio and monitoring because we believe that's the most data enriched area which it is we believe that's the most accessible it's got the most depth to it so it's kind of like rather than we we manage the portfolios in transact mng etc and we do the allocations etc for us that's the operational output of portfolio management the actual construction the research and the monitoring is done in the far more sophisticated tool that gives us everything we need to do so right now i could pull up one of our portfolios and see its intraday movement and see what's driving that as well as the news associated to it and if all of a sudden something happens i can see on alert on my desktop that's what's happening going back to the very first question what differentiates us we're worried about the investments and what we're doing and what we're holding above all else so 90 percent of the time those screens are on seeing what's happening in the world in the portfolio what could be happening what might be changing it and again the devastation with russia and if you let me allow me to say it, the stupidity of putin at the moment is obviously roiling the markets and you see how that impacts the volatility in the markets fundamentally our end client might be miles away from that thought process but we're not we're looking at exactly what's happening we're not day traders we're not b trade agers but we basically want to look at it every day and do not and change things very very rarely and that's precisely what they should be paying for right it's that expertise exactly ongoing governance of their their, their portfolios great well um lewis listen i'm going to change tack slightly if that's okay with you of course it's, it's always better if our listeners can kind of get to know the individuals on our podcast not just their 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 businesses so i'm going to put you on the spot here um, i'm going to ask you some personal questions if you don't mind of course i'm going to start with how would your team describe you um very short <laughs> um a, a proud five foot five um i'm never going to be the basketball player of the team um i th i think the team would have, and probably people i've worked with previously would say pragmatic reasonable can be slightly short-tempered at times but only when necessary um i would hope people really look kind of again i'm i've always been to somebody and i think people reflect that is focused on do your job really, really damn well. Don't worry about the time it takes, but do your job well, be task-based and be pragmatic with the task-based things. So I would hope people think that I'm relatively okay to work with and can be fun 90% of the times. Brilliant, thank you. And uh, we, we've certainly found you a real pleasure to, to, to work with, so. Thank you, kind um, of you to say. So now there's a bit of a challenge in the industry as well in terms of inviting new blood in the, or attracting new blood into, into the industry whether it's advisory or investment management. So if you could go back and give your 80 year old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Calm down would be the best advice I'd give it. I, I was very fortunate and kind of in hindsight, look back up. So I, I joined JP Norgan at 19. I devastated my parents by saying, I'm not going to go to university, um, which was a good few months of arguments. Let me tell you, um, mm -hmm. thought I'd go up into the city and get a job. And I, I, I did. And then I, I, really just kind of did everything I could to progress up the corporate ladder and compromise on various things, et cetera, thinking, okay, but you've got to get the next promotion. You've got to next get the next pay rise. And it becomes like a, something that consumes you. And I don't wrong. Career wise was successful at JP Morgan and really enjoyed it. But then you look back and you think, 
my my god you like what what point are you like you can only go up for so long and actually you need to recalibrate and take time to learn and reflect about yourself so i did and again fortunately through jp morgan did an, an mba in my early 30s mm. and i I loved that experience where it wasn't so much about next job, next career. It was self-development and self-investment. So the advice I'd give is calm down, worry about the person and the kind of character you want to be for mm. a bit longer. And the career careers are 45 years. If it takes you a few more years to get where you want to get going, that's so, absolutely fine. Be aspirational and that's a good thing to be. But don't forget the value of kind of investing in yourself as well. That's great. Great answer. So if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? I've always said, and again, people roll their eyes because they've heard me say it many times, is that I always want to leave, leave any role, any job, any company I've been with, with footprints and permanent footprints. So somebody goes, I remember that guy for doing something. And I don't actually care whether that something is truth be told. If it's, he just made the day slightly happier than it would have been otherwise, or he did a great process and that process is now going to live forever. I just don't, I don't want to be remembered for a specific thing because actually you're only as good as your last trade somebody will come and do it better the next time i want to be remembered for what i brought to the table at the time and people say actually i really enjoyed working with lewis i'd like to work with him again or i'm a different i engage with people differently because i were I, I like the way lewis did it or opposite i thought lewis was a total wally and i've done exactly the opposite and i learned from him that's okay i just want their footprints that's great oh there we have it lewis thank you for joining me today it's been a pleasure no thanks um, for having me sim it's been great yeah, no problem at all. And uh, please pass no regards to Matthew, Katie, Carl and the team. Will do. Thanks again. That's great. Thanks, Lewis. Cheers. Cheers. The Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at Money Info. For more information, please visit www.moneyinfo.com. Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.